the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How is everybody today? We've got a slam-bang show on this beautiful Saturday, November the 12th. 2022 and uh we've got a we've got a packed uh lineup for you as usual my friends um but let's first of all start talking a little bit let me let me talk to you a little bit about the the election because uh, i know that most of us are uh a little bummed out that it that the rave that the red wave that we were anticipating didn't work out the way it did uh, however, we've got to understand that we still uh, made uh, that uh, conservatives made uh, a lot of ground. That uh, there were uh, there were successes out there that uh, uh, we uh, didn't anticipate. But uh, there's got a lot. There's a lot of work to do. And uh, I blame my friends. I put the blame on this uh, on the low turnout on the uh, uh, on on the victories by the liberals, by the progressives in certain areas, particularly in the cities uh, in South Texas here, uh, I put the blame on on the media. The Spanish language media, the English speaking media, my friends, the media is not our friend. The media is another voice, another voice for the liberals, for for the progressives. It's that simple. The, the news media, whether it's print, whether it's the newspapers, or the, uh, the, the TV stations, and that goes for the commercial as well as the public. Public broadcasting needs to be terminated, my friends. Public broadcasting, Texas Public Radio, Texas Public TV, all of it needs to be terminated, my friends, because it does not serve the conservative community. It doesn't serve conservatives in any form or fashion. On the contrary, everything is that they report, everything that they uh, show, all their programming, all their news, has a liberal bend to it. And we have got to terminate it, my friends. It's that simple. Why should my tax money go to support stations that uh, that are politically aligned with ideals that I don't believe in? I mean, the whole idea of public radio, to begin with, of public broadcasting, and I know because I worked in public broadcasting, the whole idea for public broadcasting was to give uh, voice to uh, the underdog, to the outsider. My friends, conservatives are about as underdog and outside as you can get. 
and the word uh, they are far from being uh, from being uh, welcomed at at public broadcasting. The other thing is, my friends, the other issue uh, that that we need to understand is that the corporate media that is back in D.C. or in uh, New York is progressive and liberal, and they control, they own the local newspapers. So when the local newspaper, when Washington or, or New York sneeze, the, the, the local papers and, and TV uh, news, they are the ones that report it. They report it verbatim. So my friends, again, the, 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 the liberal uh, progressive uh, point of view is what is uh, the establishment. That is what we are up against. And they, I mean, they do two things very, very adequately. They uh, either ignore, ignore completely a, a conservative issue or a conservative candidate, they completely ignore them, or they attack them. And when they attack them, my friends, they have the loudest voice. And let's face it, th- this uh, situation, when, when the mainstream media attacks someone, they have the loudest voice in the community, and they're going to be heard. There are also multitudes of smaller, uh, of smaller publications that uh, are spawned off by the um, mainstream media, and they carry uh, the same water, but uh, these publications in most cases are free. So anybody can, can pick up a, a, one of these little publications anywhere at a drugstore, uh, at, at a convenience store, uh, at um, a, a uh, grocery store. They pick them up and the headlines will tell them all, everything, everything that the liberal, the progressive want to know. So my friends, we are handicapped. Our, our positions, our uh, candidates are, are at a disadvantage because of the media. It's that simple. Yes. The other issue, my friends, in my opinion, again, is that I don't think many of our candidates were that forceful. They did not confront the lies. They did not confront what was being said uh, about uh, uh, particularly the 6th of January, that somehow Republicans were going to destroy democracy. And here in San Antonio, my friends, let me tell you, at the local level, here in San Antonio, the distortion by the mainstream media, as well as the machine that is built by the uh, Democrats, and again, by machine, I mean the political bosses, their organization, it's incredible. It is incredible. It's almost impregnable. We had, uh, we saw how uh, the Republican candidate um, that was running against Joaquin Castro, uh, Lyle Sinclair, he worked his head off, my friends. He worked like crazy. And he was not able to uh, put a dent, a bigger dent than anybody else has. He came out with 30%. Uh, a little more than 30% of the uh, of, of the vote in Joaquin Castro's uh, district. And that is, my friends, that shows the power of this machine on that side of town. The other thing that was extremely disappointing to me was uh, the district attorney race where 
the uh, George Soros-funded district attorney here in Bear County, here in San Antonio, he got reelected. I- incredible. It was it was dis- very very disturbing. Again, my friends, I think it's because a lot of people just don't understand who George Soros is, or the damage that this uh, that this uh, liberal progressive district attorney is doing. How he uh, how he he is involved. In how he is responsible for this uh, whole uh, crime wave that we're facing. So, thank you for joining in today, my friends. Well, our, our show is going to be mostly folks talking about the result of the of the election and their and their posi- their their thinking about it, my friends. Particularly about what what is going to happen now with the border crisis. We've got uh, John Sadrosny from the uh, America Le- First America Legal Foundation in Washington, D.C. We have T- Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies, and we have Jason Jones from Newsmax. They are our guests, but we also have uh, some, some uh, uh, ladies that I interviewed at the uh, San Antonio Republican uh, Women's uh, Meeting uh, this past uh, Thursday. So, folks, welcome to the show. Sit back and enjoy. Call your friends. Let's go to our to our first guests. Hi, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. We're here at the uh, San Antonio Republican Women Meeting, uh, and uh, we've got Miss Donna Russell, uh, who uh, I've asked uh, Donna. Can you can you just share real quick uh, what are your what are your thoughts about uh, the election this, that just happened? Well, um, I was a little bit disappointed that it wasn't the huge red wave that we expected, but nonetheless, we have the house. Um, I'm very excited about that. I see good things coming over the next couple of years, and hopefully, with a big win in 2024 with you know who, and um, that's it. It's all looking up from here, and we're going to do our best to continue what we're doing, promote what we promote, and which is our. Republican uh, politicians and do what we can to save America. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we're here at uh, the San Antonio Republican Women. And uh, now we've got uh, Miss Sandra Murphy. Uh, Sandra, what did you think about the uh, the election? Well, I thought it was going to be a lot more exciting than it was, and I think it should have not been as close of a call as it was on most of the elections. And we did stay up late, but we're still disappointed in what's going on in Arizona. And uh, but thank the Lord, we got Abbott in there. Now, do you uh, do you are you optimistic about anything that happens? I'm optimistic about Arizona right now because I think the counts are coming in. I wish we could all model after Florida and really learn how to count votes and get the election so we know it's over when it should be over on election day. <laughs> Thank you very much, Senator. It's George Rodriguez, El Conservador, here at the uh, San Antonio Republican Women, and we've got Miss Carol Ahern. Uh, Carol, tell us, what did you think of the uh, of the election on Tuesday? I was most disappointed in that we didn't have the red wave. I think we had some great candidates, and I think they had good messages about issues that were really important. However, when they were attacked and criticized for not having, uh, for the, the D- Democrats were saying that we were going to cut Social Security, cut Medicaid, such a blatant lie, I didn't hear one of our candidates dispel that and say that wasn't true and show the history that we haven't done that. At least that's my understanding of it. So I thought that was a point they really missed. 
You know, uh, we, uh, I keep hearing that uh, sometimes Republican candidates just don't fight back hard enough. What do you think? I think that's true. I think we need to be polite, but I think you have to get the truth out there. And you have to get rid of and clarify the lies. You have to do that. They mis- We were misrepresented in that area. And they needed to talk about democracy. What did that mean that the Democrats kept saying it was the end of democracy? What kind of democracy are they talking about? We want what's, what is best for us to carry on in a healthy way and have a free country and a protected border. And fair laws. You got it. Thank you very much, Carol. Okay. Once again, George Rodriguez here at the uh, San Antonio Republican Women's uh, meet, uh, Luncheon. And uh, now we have Miss uh, Sandra Weingart. And I want to ask her, what did you think of the election? Well, I thought that we ho- I had hoped we were going to do better. And uh, I'm not sorry that we, we did fair. I'm happy with those that got in, but I really was disappointed because I expected it to be a bigger a bigger win. Uh, do you see any optimistic situation, I mean, any optimism here in the in this election? I mean, I, I understand a lot of us, uh, a lot of folks were, were uh, disappointed that the wave wasn't bigger. Do you see anything positive? In that? Yeah, I, I, I'm a very positive person, so I'm just saying that we'll see what this year brings us, but I do have hopes for for good things to happen. What about uh, what about the role of the media? Did you think that the media helped or or misled or in any way? I, I think there's a lot of media that does not even report the news, and that hurts. That hurts our candidates. It hurts all candidates. So I really wish that they would be more news reporters than politically. Uh, their politics. I wish they would stick to reporting news. Thank you very much. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on in San Antonio, deep in the heart of Texas, of South Texas, should I say. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. John Sidrosny, from, uh, he's the Deputy uh, Director for Investigations at the America First Legal Foundation in Washington, D.C. I wanted to get with him and reach out to him uh, to uh, discuss our uh, situation with the um, election that just occurred. Uh, some good news, some bad news, uh, and uh, get his assessment of it because uh, he's been there at the front lines. And I just, uh, John, welcome to the show. Let, hey, let, George. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, my buddy. Uh, let me let me begin by by uh, yesterday, or, or should I say on Wednesday, the um, president Biden made uh, a, a kind of like a victory lap, claiming that uh, when they asked him if there was going to be any changes in policy as a result of the uh, election, uh, which they did lose. I mean, they 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 there's going to be. I don't think Nancy's going to be the uh, the. Uh, uh, chairman uh, or the the uh, house leader anymore but um uh and the, and the senate is still in in uh, in doubt but um as far as he's concerned uh, the people said everything was okay with his policies uh if he continues with these policies what do you think uh, needs to happen buddy 
Well, George, it's a good question. It's, it's the million-dollar question today, right? And uh, look, there's no value in sugarcoating what happened on Tuesday for Republicans. It was bad, especially given expectations. Uh, and a, a sober assessment of what went wrong, what didn't happen at all that should have happened, and what we need to do to fix it has to happen in the next few weeks, or it doesn't matter what Joe Biden does over the next two years because we won't be able to capitalize on it. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, it's, it's complete misreading, obviously, but that's okay because that suits their needs. Uh, for Joe Biden to walk out to a podium and say, this was a vindication of everything we tried to do. I mean, it's, if anything, like, look at the, let's, let's, let's look at what's about to happen in the next few days. Even though it's disappointing for Republicans, the Republicans have a very significant chance of actually running the House. Um, they have a chance of actually running the Senate. Um, particularly if it uh, winds up that uh, Herschel Walker's race against Senator Warnock winds up going into a runoff, which I think it is, and then we're looking at a month out, that may be the decider. So, like, for them to, to strut and start spiking football seems a little silly to me. Um, and look, let Joe Biden keep destroying the economy and keep, uh, you know, spiking inflation and doing everything he can to step on parents' rights. I, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, there, there were some positives, but, um, you know, he would be a, a fool to misread it as a mandate for continued destruction of the U.S. economy and the republic. I, I you know, we were very, very disappointed in what happened uh, here in South Texas. We expected um, at least two of the Hispanic ladies that were running for Congress to win. Um, obviously, after every election, uh, there's the soul searching, which is going on, and uh, the need to uh, identify key changes and some adjustments. Uh, your thoughts, please. Yeah, so and one of those people who did not win, unfortunately, was was my girl Cassie Garcia, old friend from Cruz's office, and I love her to death. And you know, she, I think she'll get him next time if she ever decides to run. But uh, look, the the thing that we need to really do is that the sober assessments that need to happen need to start today, and they need to have immediate ramifications in the next few weeks. Uh, so let's just say that the Republicans do actually get control of enough seats to be in charge of the House. Between you and me, I think I might have even mentioned this to you before. I actually prefer a smaller majority. Uh, it, it will force the Republican caucus to stick together and, you know, force whoever winds up being the speaker to actually lead. Um, you know, we always wind up in trouble when we've got like these 250, 260 seat majorities, um, because then you get 30 Republicans who wander off and vote with Democrats all the time and they make, they just make things really hard. Um, but I think we have to have a serious conversation about, uh, not a competitive election for speaker. I don't think Kevin McCarthy's owed anything. He did a terrible job. Um, you know, he had this mealy-mouthed plan for um, the commitment to America, which was so generic, it didn't even look like necessarily anything from the modern era. It could have been written 40 years ago. Um, and I think he needs to be challenged, and I think we need to have two or three people who throw their hat in the ring for speaker and look in a different direction. Ditto for the Senate. I think we need to say goodbye to Fentanyl Mitch. I think, um, you know, even if you think he's done a good job, which I personally don't, he's been there for way too long. And we need younger people. We need people who will be alive in 30 years, <laughs> wielding the, you know, wielding no the benefits of the policies they've imposed upon all of us. Yeah, Mitch nope. McConnell's 80 years old. We need a different direction. And so th I, I suspect they're going to want to pretend that conversation doesn't happen, but that conversation needs to happen. And that is just the beginning. Um, you know, I, I, we could go on for hours about what needs to be done, but I think that's the first step. Like, if the Republicans are blessed enough to gain control of one or both chambers – then they need to say, look, look, what we've done before, we need different faces, we need a fresh perspective, and we need it now. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me bring the focus down here a little bit, because we have a, a border that continues to be out of control, and um, now we've got immigrants, uh, we've got illegal aliens like the Venezuelans that are actually all upset because they can't come in like they were coming in. 
and um, there's there's uh, periods of of sporadic violence breaking out uh, at at border entries, um, or whenever uh, border patrol agents round them up. Given, I mean, given that uh, that Biden thinks that everything is fine and, and it's going to continue, um, what what can we do? I mean, what can be done to uh, to address this issue of anything? Well, I think you started to see the, the right direction, George, at, at the state level. Uh, you, you saw this recognition among governors like Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, and hopefully, knock on wood, a, a Governor Lake in the future, who are going to. Uh, realize that states are sovereigns. They're not just appendages of a corrupt national government. And they do have an independent obligation to protect their citizens and their states. And so, um, you know, you saw this a few weeks ago when the, the Biden administration told Governor Ducey to stop securing the border at the state and local level. And uh, Governor Ducey, to his credit, told him politely to go pound sand. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we need governors who are going to say, look, uh, I'm not your, I don't work for you, Mr. President. I am a governor of a state. I was elected by the people here. I have an independent and a sovereign obligation, and their protection and their security is paramount. And so, um, yeah, and that's but that, that is only the first step, George. Like obviously, some stuff at the federal level is going to have to happen. And I think, at the very least, if and when the Republicans take control of the House, you will see the oversight that's been missing for two years. And we're going to be able to call out an awful lot and affect the budgetary process. And um, that will be a benefit. But like for all these people though, who thought that they could. Uh, either not vote, you know, I'm talking about Republicans who sat at home or Democrats who thought, well, I'll vote for the Democrats because they're quote unquote my team, but maybe that'll send a message to Joe. Uh, they should all know that didn't happen. The message didn't get received and you will still be in danger because of this president. So um, hopefully more Americans are not hurt by this administration, although it's very likely to happen based on the past. And uh, we'll do what we can with what we've got, but we've got to start taking these things seriously. America is not automatic, George. I mean, I think this is lots of people, including President Reagan, have said it in a variety of ways. Our freedoms, our benefits, everything we, we live to love is fragile. And if we don't exert effort to maintain it, it will go away. And the left will be the victors here. They will be, you know, they're, they're carrying some water for globalist Marxists, and they're perfectly happy with the destruction of what we got. But if you and I aren't, we have to do something about it. Yeah, I mean the the situation that we keep watching is how uh, they are gleefully anti-America first. I mean they are the everything that they seem to do is about the rest of the world uh, and not about us. And I don't, I, I really, really don't understand that at all. Yeah, George, I can tell you from having been in the previous administration fighting like a dog every day uh, in different corners that the, the set, uh, I learned several sad lessons about the federal government and the way government works. Um, but perhaps the saddest one I learned is that the, the entirety of the federal government, it doesn't think it exists to help you, you, the citizen, or protect you, the citizen. Its primary goal is to shovel as much of your money out the door to enemies foreign and domestic as possible. That uh-huh. is its primary goal. And because the federal government has not been reined in by an executive in any meaningful way in the last 60 years, uh, it's going to keep doing that until someone until someone throws a hammer. You know, and says, stop, you will not keep doing this. And I think the next Republican administration, I, I, I said, you asked about what we could do. I think the next Republican administration, regardless of who it is, needs to significantly dismantle the federal workforce. It needs to radically shrink it. Federal agencies need to be smaller. We need to, we, many need to be eliminated. We need to move away from this idea that every aspect of American society needs to be handled by a federal agency. Uh, in fact, I'd go so far as to say every time a federal agency puts its hand in the pot, 
it destroys things. Like, we, turns out we had a pretty good education system in this country until Jimmy Carter created the Department of Education. It's gone <laughs> in the tank since, right? Like, every, and, you know, Reagan's words come, come to mind. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. That's uh, so we, true. <laughs> we need to get back to America not being, like, molested at every turn by the federal government. And that part of that is shrinking the federal workforce and having fewer federal workers and moving them out to the country and out of D.C. So we could talk for hours about this. There is no one thing that needs to be done, George. It's more like a, a series of things over the course of years, and it'll take a generation to fix a lot of these problems that still will. Yeah, I, I agree. I remember the Heritage Foundation in 1980 when we arrived in, uh, in, in uh, D.C. with the Reagan team. Uh, I remember they had a handbook on shrinking the government, and they had a list of all of these agencies uh, like the Appalachia Road Commission and others that uh, absolutely did nothing but um, uh, other than gobble up money. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, the good news, George, uh, speaking of Heritage Foundation, uh, my organization, America First Legal, has the privilege of working with the Heritage Foundation and a lot of other conservative organizations for on this 20, uh, Transition 2025 project. You may have heard of it, but we're basically working with Heritage and a lot of like-minded young conservative outfits to basically push for what the next administration should look like. Now, obviously, this is an external project. It's not affiliated with any candidate or campaign. Correct. Uh, but the goal is to set a roadmap for what a conservative, a functioning, strong-willed, no apologies conservative administration will look like. And uh, that plan's in the works. Hopefully we'll have something public to share with the public next year. Uh, and uh, But it'll have a lot of the stuff you'd like to see, and it'll, it'll probably bring back some memories of the forcefulness of the Reagan years. But um, we've, we've got to do it. Our, you know, I, those words of speaking of President Reagan, the words he spoke, and I'm going to mangle the quote, but it's, we are only one generation away from the loss of all our freedoms because uh, our system, our freedoms, and everything we love requires nurturing and constant vigilance. And it's 100% true. I know that wasn't the quote, but that's as close as I can get, George. Um, <laughs> close like, enough. The, the, the idea that um, our freedoms are automatic needs to be dispelled. We need to treat it as if we would treat, um, you know, guarding Fort Knox or something. Like, we need to treasure it more than any gold we have in our possession. Um, because our freedoms are our most valuable commodity, and it requires constant vigilance. And the left, the left knows this because they're constantly attacking them. That's right. So, That's right. so we've we've got to get on it, George. We've got a lot of work to do starting today. You got it. Thank you very, very much, John. We've been speaking with our good friend John Zadrozny from uh, he's he's the um, deputy director of investigations at the America First Legal Foundation. John, thank you very much for taking time with us. Stay safe, my man. Thank you, George. Same to you. Take care. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, uh, former DPS, the public, public safety official, as well as now a Newsmax uh, reporter from the border. Uh, he is a crime specialist, and I wanted him to uh, chat with us uh, today because, Jason, given the election that just took place, as well as the comment by the president yesterday, President Biden took a victory lap at the um, uh, at the White House, and he made the comment that he felt that his policies were vindicated, and I guess that means the open border that we've got right now, 
and that he wasn't going to change anything. Uh, if that's the case, Jason, where are we going? Well, George, first, as always, it's great to be with you. And, you know, I look at this through the lens of what would the cartels say to what they just saw? What do the long-haul smugglers who are moving people from all over the world into South America up into the United States, what are they going to say from this? And what do the Halcones and the alien smuggling organizations who work for the cartels, what are they going to do? Well, first off, they look at this through the lens of exactly what you just said. Clearly, the American people are okay with this. There was not a red wave, and they will continue operations because there's no opposite force that's obviously going to come. And so what you can expect is what you have seen for the last two years, and I think really you should expect even more of it. You know, and when I talk, when I say more of it, here's, let me give some details here. The level of fentanyl that we're seeing at the southwest border, the level of methamphetamine hitting this country, the overdose death crisis, and people coming from all over the world, that pressure wave that we have felt at the border seen domestically occurring will not slow down and will not change. Uh, that's, you know, that's very, very scary. Well, it is what it is, George. And look, what these people understand, and I, you know me, I don't care about left or right. I just don't care about politics. That's not my thing. I look at this all through the lens of what crime and what these, these organizations are going to be doing. And they clearly know now that there is nothing coming that's going to stand in their way via policy changes and so you know the victory lap as you as you said that the the president basically took on his policies will they will continue with what they are doing and you will see it in the data you will see it very clearly what i'm saying and so i'm forecasting right now the only thing you should really expect uh is for the, the what we have seen to continue so i'll say that the numbers will even get higher next year. You'll see nothing in regards to policy changes. I think we're going to see a lot of hearings domestically and all that stuff that will mean nothing at the end of the day. But the problem isn't that. The problem is what the American people are not going to be shown, which is the amount of pressure wave from fentanyl, methamphetamine, and organized crime surging into this country like we've never seen in the last two years will continue for the next two. That's what's coming, George. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's frightening. The other thing that, uh, that that's very curious is, I mean, I guess, you know, a lot of folks have picked up the battle cry that you initiated, I, in my opinion, about uh, calling the um, the cartels declaring them uh, uh, declaring them uh, terrorist organizations. I certainly guess that that's not. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Will the new Congress have the guts to do that? I wonder. I will tell you that I think that they will not. Uh, and I know that may stun a lot of your listeners. And it goes back to, I briefed a lot of Republicans privately. They still look at this border issue as an immigration issue. They don't look at it in the totality of what I try to break down in your program all the time uh, in regards to what these cartels have become in Mexico. They still, I think, are going to be very moderate. I doubt that we're going to see any push to designate these cartels through uh, the House or anything else as foreign terrorist organizations. I think that if you see anything on that front, you're going to see it at a state level. And I was proud of Governor Abbott for at least declaring the cartels in Texas, the first state, by the way, to declare the cartels as terrorists. Now, there's no teeth to that. And we worked very hard, very, very hard to get that declaration. 
And uh, again, I will say it publicly and privately, I applaud the governor for doing that. And while it doesn't have any teeth now, what it does do for Texas and many other states at the state level is allow the legislature to now come behind that and add some teeth that really allows the states to start going after these cartels in multiple, multiple ways. And I think you're going to see that from the legislature in Texas. And depending upon how things go in Arizona, I think you're going to see it in Arizona as well. Well, you know, the the issue of um, <clears throat> states having to, uh, state jurisdictions having to do uh, what they can since the, uh, in the absence of the federal government doing anything. However, the other thing that I worry about is that we've got a lot of uh, uh, DAs, a lot of liberal DAs, like here in San Antonio, the district attorney, George, uh, uh, or should I say Joe Gonzalez, got reelected and he got elect reelected with George Soros money again. So uh you know doing something locally like prosecuting these uh, cartel cartel members if they are caught um I just wonder if they're even going to if that's even going to happen. You know I I think that's a it's very it's a well said point especially in some of these bigger cities that you clearly see are not going after crime and you see crime rising but at the state level you still have the ability to bring in uh, state prosecutors to go after these folks and to to hold them accountable especially when we talk about the cartels uh, organized crime and transnational crime and so my hope is that the states will will start to do that look we have to be very open and honest and that is that the southern states cannot continue to take on the crime wave of transnational crime in the federal level not doing its job. And I think what we're going to see in the long run is that the states are realizing that. And you see it through Operation Lone Star and other operations in the past. The states have to rise up. And I think you're going to continue to see that momentum in that direction because whether it's Republicans or Democrats in charge, the states still have a huge problem with transnational crime. I mean, you've heard me say this, and I'll say it continuously, that you can't have global trade and not expect to have had a global crime problem that follows that. And you see it in Mexico, you see it in many other countries across the world. And one thing that I definitely want to tell your viewers is that all eyes right now should be on El Paso. El Paso, El Paso, El Paso. Now why? Because in the last few months there's been a major shift from Del Rio into El Paso where the largest grouping now, uh, I, I broke the story this week on the October numbers uh, from Border Patrol. There have now been 53,000 apprehensions in the El Paso sector, and of that, George, 20,000 gotaways. Why is this important? Here's why it's important, because the altitude there is much higher. It gets much colder there. These people are going to be freezing to death. And you saw this week how they started to cross that border, crossing with Venezuelan flags, and began attacking uh, Border Patrol agents. It got so bad that one agent was hit with a rock, one was assaulted with a flag, and then uh, they had to bring out their crowd control officers to drive them back into Juarez. So here's the issue. The issue is not uh, what's going to happen in El Paso. It's going to be these gotaways because they are going to be forced to work with the alien smuggling organizations, the Juarez cartel and Sinaloa cartel, to get around the flanks of the city of El Paso. My God, we're going to have losses of life like we've never seen. And I am calling, and I'll say I've said it publicly on national television, and I'm saying it on your radio station. Get ready for the dark winter. 
we're going to see deaths like we've not seen before because we've never had it, but we've had this many people in such a short period of time shift to this region, and they don't have the logistics and the, and, and the number of border patrol agents. And why do you know that? Because they had 20,000 Godwins, almost half of what they apprehended, get away. That's just what we know of, George. Wow. Never mind what we don't know. So all eyes should be on El Paso. And I have said to the federal agencies publicly, as leadership of the Homeland Security Enterprise, you need to start sending resources out there now before we're seeing a whole lot of people dying in those mountains, freezing to death. So needless to say, Jason, <clears throat> if, uh, if people are getting in, drugs are getting in, too. That's exactly, oh man, I got to tell you, George, I'm leaving Monday for Philadelphia. I'm going to Kensington. I'm going to the heart of where the overdose death crisis is happening. Then I'm leaving there and I'm going to Camden, New Jersey on Wednesday. And then Thursday, I'll be in studio with Newsmax in New York to show what's happening and be on the ground because I want to show what's happening at the border, but I want to show the impacts. And you are absolutely right because this is where the cartels win. When they completely overrun, like you saw this week in El Paso with the number of people, that's when they surge with fentanyl, methamphetamine, and many other drugs on the flanks. And so this is where the problem is. They don't have the resources. And so when you see 53,000 apprehensions and 20,000 known gotaways, imagine the narcotics that are getting through. These are very organized operations by these cartels and these smuggling organizations. And you gotta ask yourself, how is it that when those Venezuelans crossed carrying the flag, media was both on the Mexico side and the U.S. side to cover it? I'll tell you why. Because it was all organized the way it's always been. That's how these cartels operate. They say, sure, go ahead and do that. And then on the flanks, they move their drugs. Mm-hmm. Wow. The, pro- <clears throat> the problem is the American people aren't told. Well, yeah, that's it. That's the bottom line. You know, the ignorance, the the lack of information and education of what's going on, it's incredible. Because even Univision and Telemundo don't say anything about it. No, every, you know, most of the news agencies go down and they stay on the border for a weekend or two or three days. They put a microphone in front of a migrant's face. They tell their sad story, which many times it truly is. And they say, say it from a single layer. When you start peeling back the onions to just how organized crime works, how these cartels have evolved into a parallel government, and the way they operate, and the level of intelligence collection 24-7-365 that occurs on that border, utilizing the Halcon Network, which are lookouts or falcons that check on and off just like law enforcement. That's what I'm trying to show the American people yep. is the crime and how how organized and logistics that these criminals have against U.S. law enforcement. You got it, buddy. Jason, thank you very much for taking time to be with us again and um, painting this picture for us. Tell the folks where they can follow you. Absolutely. You can find us on Newsmax. And this week, if you'll watch the Rob Schmidt show on Newsmax, what we're going to show you on primetime news is what's really taking place on your border, and you're not going to see it through the lens of news. You're going to see it through the lens of law enforcement officers, both in Arizona and on the ground. And then just one last thing, we're going to have a special uh, piece just on cartels' tradecraft, along with some of the technology that, that they're utilizing. And you're going to be stunned when you see the thermal drones that are crossing from Mexico into the U.S., 
we're gonna we're gonna break it out, George, like never before seen. So Excellent. I'm really excited about this week. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Ladigas. We've been talking with our good friend Jason Jones from Newsmax on <clears throat> on KLUP nine thirty AM radio, the answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Ladigas, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio here in San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good buddy, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. And Todd is a regular on our on our show. Um, Todd, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you for taking time. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I want to ask you, given the election, the anticipated red wave that did not happen, and very, very interestingly, uh, the comment from the White House, a victory lap, apparently, by the, the president, <clears throat> where he said that he felt that his policies had been vindicated and he doesn't plan to change anything. Given the whole situation with the border crisis that we've been reporting on, where the heck are we going? What the heck is going to happen? I mean, I, I, I really am not optimistic about anything that's, that... that is happening at the border. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. I think I think that we are going to see another two years of just millions of people crossing in. I don't think that any of those policies are going to change. There was a, a chance, and I wrote about this in town hall earlier in the week, just ahead of the election, that if there really was a red wave and they suffered uh, bone marrow type losses that they would then look at the border crisis as a problem for the 2024 election, uh, meaning, you know, the White House was at risk over the border issue. But because they didn't really suffer any real pain, uh, they're going to lose the House probably, maybe the Senate. But, um, you know, it's it's not going to uh, augur badly for them in the 2024 election that they would have changed their policies that they would have reversed and tried to shut this thing down so i think that it's going to continue the president has already signaled that nothing's going to change we've had uh five four four and a half five million apprehensions at the border plus gotaways uh you could look at that look for that to double over the next two years we will have six, seven, eight million new people living in the United States by the end of the next two years. So that's just uh, transformative, and, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it. 2024 uh, is the time to deal with it. Uh, You know, at at this point, give us a snapshot of what continues to happen. What are you seeing happening still? Well, I just returned from the... Tijuana, Mexicali area of Mexico. And what I saw happening there was uh, a legalization program of illegal immigration, if that makes any sense. And I'll, what I'll, uh, I'm going to write about this. I haven't put, put my piece out yet. But uh, what the administration is turning to now is a process whereby illegal uh, illegally uh, traveling immigrants show up in Mexico and go through a, a process where they're given permission to cross at ports of entry and then they're just hand-delivered. The Mexican uh, Immigration Service hand-delivers them to CBP on the bridges 
in at the ports of entry and they're just they're given humanitarian parole just like as if they were to cross between ports of entry but now it's all approved and stamped and this program is expanding rapidly all along the border so you may see the numbers of illegal apprehensions drop uh-huh. but the number of Actual ports illegal, of entry yeah. <clears throat> but the number of of entries over the ports of entry increase and it's kind of a f- sleight of hand so i mean uh, but it's yeah i mean so so folks understand i mean these still are illegal aliens and the government the the biden government is now uh accepting them but under a guise that they are entering for humanitarian purposes, but they're still illegal aliens, aren't they? Well, they won't have illegally entered. Yeah. That's the big, that's the big difference. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the, the Biden administration will be able to say, what are you talking about? They're not illegally entering. Yep. They haven't broken any laws. We allowed them in. Wow. So that's happening all along the border. It's been uh, gone unreported. I'll be reporting on that soon. That's disturbing. Uh, That's very, very disturbing. I mean, it's still an open border. Only, you know, it's they've got a piece of paper that claims that they've entered okay. <laughs> That's right. They're getting permits to just cross in, and they just go right into the United States, just like as if they were to illegally enter. Uh, they get they're they're being bussed in now when they illegally enter, but uh, they'll they'll be able to legally enter now. Now, just is, by showing up, uh, just there, by showing up. Uh, are are there any restrictions? I mean, are, are Venezuelans, <clears throat> for example, going to be allowed to enter since they've uh, since they've been uh, told they yes, can't? the Venezuelans have been channeled into the same program, so. They're not illegally entering, but they're being allowed to legally enter now. Wow. About 25,000 of them. And uh, that that pro, that filled up fast, so they'll probably, you know, raise the cap and just keep raising the cap on that. Uh, so, I mean, Venezuelans will probably, uh, we'll see plenty of Venezuelans over the next two years. Yeah, that's That's disturbing. We also have seen, uh, if you have heard anything about what's going on in El Paso, because apparently in El, pa- El Paso has become a new hot point of entry, uh, whereas Del Rio has been now, El Paso seems to be heating up. Right. Well, El Paso, uh, Juarez, El Paso is a, is a center for this new program of letting people in over the port of entry. Ah, no wonder. So... So that's what's happening there is there's a uh, network of feeder shelters and people come in, they start out at the feeder shelters and they move uh, once they have all the documents and everything's arranged between the Mexicans and CBP, they're then brought to the bridge and just handed off at the bridge entering that way. So that's what you're seeing in El Paso. And they're also uh, slipping in but there's a couple of wall gaps over there too. Uh, so, but but the 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 big benefit to immigrants who cross in under the new legal way is that they don't have to pay the piso to the cartels. Ah, gotcha. So they're being humanitarian 
uh, uh, Paroled in, paroled right in. For for Uh, the folks, gotcha. Yeah, and this is all part of the Biden administration's. I mean, they're they're straight up about it. They'll tell you our our policy is safe, orderly, and humane migration, and that's what this that's what this new program does. Oh wow! So I I mean, what about the issue of drugs coming in? Well, I mean, that's never going to go away. That's You're always going to have that. Uh, fentanyl is pouring in, and so is everything else. And Border Patrol uh, is busy processing. They'll stay busy processing the thousands and thousands that are still coming in quickly, illegally, between ports of entry. So they're not on the line. Uh, I mean, one good news uh, about that is that Greg Abbott will continue Operation Lone Star, which uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke would have ended. And mm. that's probably the the only membrane standing between the cartels and just complete uh, unimpeded drug trafficking into the United States. At least you've got Texas Department of Public Safety, Operation Lone Star filling in gaps uh, along some of the Texas border, not all of it, but so give give us a conclusion here, at, uh, so we can let so we can let you go. Um, what what's the takeaway from this election at this point? The takeaway is, you know, if Republicans, you know, take the, you know control of the House, there'll be a lot of caterwauling about this. There'll be hearings. There'll be maybe some effort to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, but in the end, they will not have the power to affect illegal immigration or the crisis. They can draw attention to it. They can propose bills. The bills will go nowhere. They can't do anything about it except draw attention to it and talk about it and keep things going for the 2024 election. If Democrats win the White House in 2024, then you can expect this to continue on even beyond that. There has to be political punishment for the Democrats in 2024 for this to end. Uh, if you have another four years of this, then, you know, we're looking at 20 million illegals just living in the U.S. Wow. by then. Wow. Incredible. Maybe more. Todd, tell the folks where they can follow you. Uh, yeah, you can read my uh, work at toddbensman.com and my forthcoming book in February, which is all about this mass migration crisis, is called Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. And that book is available for pre-order right now, and it'll be in bookstores in February. You got it. Thank you very much, Todd. We've been talking with our good friend Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Sure thing. Thanks. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, thank you for joining us today in our show. We uh, please, uh, we, we encourage you to tell your friends about our program. Uh, you can listen to it uh, live, as usual, at 2 o'clock every Saturday on KLUP, or you can listen to it as a podcast 
that, that's been recorded. Uh, I post it on my uh, webpage. It's on Facebook. It is uh, on Twitter, uh, on MeWe, uh, on various places. Um, all you have to do is just look for George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and you'll be able to find uh, the show and uh, listen to it at your leisure. Uh, the other thing that uh, we want to remind everyone is that uh, our contract with the um, uh, with the radio station ends uh, on December the 31st, and we are looking for sponsors. We are looking for uh, folks who will uh, support the show uh, directly through advertising, or, my friends, you can uh, donate ta- uh, tax-free to uh, El Conservador Care of He's Alive Ministry. He's Alive Ministry at 6430 Green Apple in San Antonio, Texas, 78233. My friends, we desperately need your support. Once again, thank you very, very much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you will tell your friends about it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.